the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Joe, 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 what have I done? I get everybody excited about a team, and then they let me down. This was supposed to be ECU's year, and they laid an egg. They put a one in front of the egg to make it ten, but it was an egg. How you doing, my friend? Can't complain, Joe. I'm uh, I'm in great spirits after this weekend. Yeah, unlike you, are. you, your teams are looking good. My <sighs> ECU, I'm so disappointed in you. I thought this would be it. Okay, now I'm not giving up on them. They're probably not making a bowl game, but good lord, was it bad? That was just awful. Now, not a, says not a, a smooth Navy. transition. Yeah, no. It's uh, it's gonna be a tough year. Now, could they still win five games? Maybe, but this this was this was gonna be a game that told us a lot, and unfortunately, we learned a lot about the negative. So basically, if I tell you to follow a team, you probably shouldn't. That's the moral of this story, right? Nah, sometimes you're you get some right, but yeah, every you, now and then you totally swung and missed on this one. Well, enough negativity. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast, where Joe and I talk G five football, specifically the American Athletic Conference. I feel like we don't mention that enough, but we are the AAC part of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, and we're a lot a lot of fun to listen to. I think. I think people like listening to the garbage we have to say. Emphasis on garbage. Trash. <laughs> I am I am not the host, but I did the intro. My name is Joe Broback. You can follow me at Joe Broback on Twitter or wherever you want to you know, listen to what I have to say. Uh, on the other side of the mic, Mr. Joe Serpico, you can follow him at Joe Serp on Twitter as well. Now, let's dive into a game to lighten my mood. How's that sound? I like games. I like games, too. I like games that I win all the time. (laughs) Oh, man. So speaking of games that you win, uh, Joe Talk Fantasy Challenge. Starting it off here. Current standings, Mr. Sherpico with an asterisk next to his name since he didn't pick week one. Sorry, vacation points. Yeah, you know, shame on you for going to Italy and having fun with your life. God forbid. You are first with 89 points. I am second with 63 points, and the ghost team is at 53. They are creeping up on me. Ooh, at least you saw. I think last week they were only one point behind you, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, so I did, I did pretty good. I did yeah. pretty good. I was at like 39, and they were, or I was at 40, and they were at 39. So yeah. I pulled away a little bit. It's looking looking a little bit better. And I pulled away even more. There you go. So, this week, we're going to bring it, make it conference-related. So, we're doing I, AAC I like that. I noticed that, and I like that. I know. you got to switch it up. I didn't want to keep doing, like, oh, we're going to do college football quarterbacks. you got to make it specific. Yeah, it's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, another week we'll do just, you know, running quarterbacks. So, you'll have, like, Malcolm Perry. But we'll see. we got to switch things up and keep things interesting. So, we have six options. I will go first. Joe will pick two guys after that. I will pick the fourth person. 
and then the ghost team gets the final two. So, our six options. We have Derek King, Dylan Gabriel, Shane Bouchelle, Anthony Russo, Holton Aylers, and Justin McMillan. Since I go first, and I will get absolutely destroyed if I do not pick him, and why wouldn't I? I will take Derek King. Mm. I hope that doesn't shock anybody or make anyone upset. Shocks me. Yeah. Right. Now you just you just left me with the two. I do have a decision to make between one guy. I'm definitely going with Dylan Gabriel after what we've seen the past two weeks. Dude, how about him? We'll get into him, but holy yeah. cow. Right? And I think this is another week where, you know, it's another P5 team, so I'm going to make another statement this week. Then I have a decision between two guys. I bet you you're picking between Bouchelle and Russo. You are 1,000% right there, I sir. I know you. Mm. One, I can see having a big day just because I think they have something to prove against Buffalo. The other one, I could see putting up big fantasy numbers because they're going to have to try to keep up with TCU. Tough choice. I'm going with Russo. I figured you would. I'm, I have to go with my guy, my temple guy. And I think there's more potential to put up, say, like a four-touchdown game than... Bouchelle's going to have to throw a lot, but it doesn't mean he necessarily will, will complete all those passes. Well, and TCU's TCU, got that secondary that I'm Yeah, using. that's exactly. TCU's defense is always always the main thing on that program. Yeah. I feel like they don't get enough credit for that. Their, their defenses are always dynamite in a conference that usually lacks defense. Yeah. So I'm going to go Bouchelle for my last one. It's, it was between him and McMillan, but I feel like... I don't know. McMillan hasn't shown me anything that's going to give me fantasy points that I want. So, so uh, that I, is that. I was curious to see if you would actually go with the Aylers just because of the fact they're going against the FCS team. Yeah, I thought about it, but he's another guy that I'm disappointed in so far. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the Ghost team beats us both this week, but who knows? That's not happening. All right. I, that's I my contribution the ch- to the podcast, so... You're, I just did the know. two best. I did the two best guys. I'm winning that again this week. By the way, you know what? You probably are. I like winners. For those that aren't following, eleven three. No, what is it? Twelve three and one. Jeez, look at you. Well, I can't do this math. No, it's eleven three and one. Well, which that, one is it? I can't. It's fifteen. It's fifteen. Whatever makes it up to fifteen. Because so it's only been three weeks. Three and one. Eleven yeah. plus three is fourteen. Plus one is fifteen. Hey, <laughs> math. All right. Hey, I was trying to do it quickly. Eleven three and one is the start of the year at underdogs against the spread. So that's pretty good. Follow along. All right. I feel like the last couple of years, you've been like. 500 or like even just under 500 this early. last last year was terrible last year was a struggle yeah. dude well, yeah. dude making I, people I, money last year i think i finished just over 500 but like one two games the year before that i did all right this year i'm off to a good start some of them are just easy they're making it too easy for me but all right let's get into the recaps of last week um we're gonna talk basically the big headlines um joe brought up the ecu's basically their downfall i don't think either either one of us really saw coming i think both of us agreed that we thought ecu would win this game heading into the season against navy 
But let's talk Navy for a second because, you know, I know you wanted to ask if do I think they are a threat. And I I'm already wrong on one part because uh, I think they're going to win at least one more game, even though I, I said the most I could see them heading in this year was winning two. Uh, they are already at two. But um, uh, the part that kind of bothers me is they're off again this week. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. And is Malcolm Perry actually this good of a passer? I'm not buying it. I just think uh, ECU's defense is is terrible, for lack of a better word. And they took advantage of that. Yeah, well, so two things with that. First, I think when we were talking about the schedule, you and I were saying that this game would tell us a lot about both of these teams because we didn't know what to really expect from either of them. You obviously said Navy would win two games. I said ECU would win six, but that would be like the ceiling. So that might be going the other way, right? Now we're yeah. Now I'm worried about maybe flip flopping those two two teams. Honestly, but it's it's also Navy just played. They played ECU and just steamrolled them, and they played an FCS team in their first week. So I don't think. We can call them a threat quite yet because you beat two bad teams. But if they keep this pace up, there's no reason to believe, or there's no reason not to believe that they're going to compete in a West that's. Speaking of that, the West, holy crap, dude. Like, Tulsa and Navy are probably the bottom two teams there. But, like, they're looking okay and might make things interesting, too. So there's six teams that are just like, it's just a mess. Whereas the East is three. I agree with that. I think the East is definitely the uh, the lesser half of the conference. And I agree with everything you said about the West. I think all – well, see, I'm not buying in the Navy just yet because of what you said. And I need to see it next week when they play Memphis. Then we'll see if they're actually a contender or not. They're going to get the best team – well, arguably one of the best teams in the West there. So we'll see it in that game. But I know you wanted to talk about Houston. Uh, you're not. Well, I guess that's. I guess that's true as well, since you are the guy that does Houston at Underdog Dynasty. But I guess let's get started because you know they're kind of holding their own in that first half, but then comes second half in that game, and you're literally just wondering: Is it? A case where you know Mike Leach knows exactly what Dana Holgerson is about to do, because it was just a completely different team in that second half. Well, how long you got? Because I could go all night talking about what's going well and what's not, but we'll keep it short here. So this game was almost like the inverse of the Oklahoma game. So the Oklahoma game, the offense got off to a slow start, looked terrible. Deer King had no time to do anything. And then in the second half, they kind of settled down, got their bearings, and you know put up they put up what 31 points against Oklahoma. And then you go to Washington State, and they jump out to an early lead, and then they struggle to put up points until towards the end of the game. So there's a, there's a lot wrong with Houston right now, and the offense is. I think it's just a chemistry issue with the coaching staff. Not that anybody's not getting along. It's just 
I don't think anybody's super comfortable with the system. And the the pressure up the middle, the interior lineman, needs that needs work. Derek King made a couple nice plays in the game that I just posted on Twitter. But as you can see, if you watch where the pressure comes from, you realize that there's an issue. And Derek King's supernatural abilities mask most of those problems. And then in the second half, when they started, Washington State started sending more pressure, that exposed those issues. So Derek King does a lot of nice things. He makes a lot of great plays, but it also kind of... You know, it kind of makes you forget about what's really happening and what's wrong. And you kind of think, oh, well, Derek King just got us 15 yards. But the reality is that any other quarterback probably would have been sacked five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So, you know, there's pros and cons to that. And I think defensively, things are still bad. But they're at least showing some fight. And that's something that you couldn't say the last two years outside of like ed oliver like when they got down it was it was over it was a wrap like this team you get down 10 maybe 17 points like done they just quit there's no energy and this well this game we actually saw you know we saw a couple nice hits we saw guys running to the football and actually making tackles which was houston's biggest weakness last year so I think it's easy to focus on the negatives because there are still a lot of negative things happening, but I don't think people realize how bad, at least defensively, things were the last two years. And now that there's you know signs of improvement, but the results aren't changing, people are still bad about that, but they really need to focus on what is going well because there were going to be growing pains. We knew that from the start. And you just need to focus on what is going well and what what is getting improved as the season goes along. You mentioned Ed Oliver, by the way. He's already making plays in the NFL. I don't know if we saw that this weekend. Yeah, you and I aren't surprised by that, though. Not one bit. And one thing I wanted to know, I mean, I'm sure you noticed it, but that holding call on the uh, the King, the Long King touchdown I could call back, that was super questionable, man. Yeah, the uh, there is a well. Okay, here's the thing. There's a lot of complaints from fans about the refs in that game, but the reality is Houston. It it wasn't just no, no. I, I I saw I saw you uh, going talking back and forth with a couple people on Twitter about it, and I agreed with most of what you said there. But that one, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of reason to uh, to question a little bit. Right, and it's you know yeah I mean you, but you know I, I mean both, you and I both yeah we both know that they go both ways right and they're cute, especially down the long run too you know everybody knows that you can call a penalty on every single play so there is that to it and I get that some play some calls go there you know go Houston's way and some calls don't and I don't know what the penalties were at the end I think it was like eleven to nine Houston had nine and Washington State had eleven but I think Houston well I know Houston just had more penalties at more important times so like that holding call yeah it was iffy but at the same time like there was there was doubt about it and there was potential for a penalty so you gave the refs a chance to influence the game and they made a call so it just i don't know it is frustrating but at the same time there were more mistakes besides penalties that the refs could or couldn't have called that houston should have addressed all right, let's bring it back to the positive. I feel like you're talking too much negative on this show. 
I'll say De'Ara King is a god, a football god. He is unbelievable. I could talk about De'Ara King all day. I have nothing bad to say about that guy. He's pretty good. Let's bring it to a team that's really damn good. Let's do it. Oh. And that team is the UCF Knights, who have scored 30 points in 29 straight games. I don't think people realize how impressive that actually is because some teams just they, they have a hiccup here or there. Right. That, that basically means you know they're guaranteed to score four touchdowns a game, every single game. Put the money on the over UCF most of the time, guys. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Dude, they're up 38 to seven before Stanford even knew what was going on. Well, I'm gonna take those numbers a little bit further. Through three games, and this comes with Stanford putting up 27 points, they're winning 155 to 41, a combined score in these three games. They are, I think this year, they're making even a bigger statement than any year yet. Well, it's because they and this was ranked like 17th. Well, and I think this year was the year that we th- expected maybe a little bit of a regression because... This is the year. I mean, we saw two years with Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie Milton's not there this year, and yet it looks like with a freshman, by the way, who has been super impressive, it looks like that they are not missing a beat. If, if not, maybe even better, just with just how efficient they are this year. I'll tell you why. Gabriel did not play like a freshman. He does not whatsoever. He played he especially on Saturday. He was playing like he had been there for three years. Like he was just making throws with no fear whatsoever. It was so fun to watch, and it was nice to see UCF take it to a Power Five team. Now, granted, is Stanford what they used to be? No, but at the same time, it's still Stanford. They were and, still a ranked team two weeks ago. Exactly. So it's not like Stanford's all of a sudden like Oregon State. It's Stanford. Okay, that's a name everybody knows in college football, and UCF ran away with it. And it's the way. I mean, they not just uh, Gabriel too. I mean, McCray literally only touched the ball eleven times. He went over a hundred yards. Granted, one of them was a seventy-three yarder, but I mean, they just pounded Stanford. It's it seemed like right off the bus that Stanford knew they were losing this game. And that's the kind of statement you want UCF to make, not just for themselves, for the conference as well. Right. Well and I called it a statement game before and got I don't know why it was a compliment to UCF and then the, some UCF fans got got on me for that, but it was a statement game. Like until until UCF is put on a level that does like gains respect it's gonna. Everything's gonna be a statement game when you play a Power Five team, and that was a statement game. And holy crap, what a statement they made! And this week they get another Power Five team to pound on, hopefully as well. Hopefully, they did last year. Uh huh. I guess they did. All right, now let's end last week's recap with the win that I saw coming. I expected more points, but. I did see coming, and that was Temple's 20-17 to 17 win over Maryland. And let's just put it this way. That game was ugly. 
Offensively, well, special teams, it was nasty. The only good thing in this game was Temple's defense. And I will argue that Maryland's defense definitely played pretty damn well as two. The defenses were pretty good overall. Yeah, but Temple's defense, I mean, two times goal-to-go situations, stopping, I mean, the one-stop Sean Bradley in the backfield. I mean, you could just see that coming literally before the snap. I mean, you could see that he, for some reason, was just going to go unblocked, and sure enough, he did, and stuffed uh, Anthony McFarlane in the backfield. And... I mean, for the most part, Maryland, you know, got the job done on the ground. Until they got Temple, to the goal line. Until they got to the goal line. But Temple just seemed to, you know, kind of feast when they went back to pass. They were all over Justin Jackson. Dude, Maryland's red zone offense was atrocious. It was terrible. Here's the thing. Here's the here's where, well, okay, it's towards the end of the game. So, Temple had the ball, like, on their own, what, three and dude shanks a punt for seven yards. Oh my god! The Maryland poor kid. gets the ball on their own on Temple's ten, and they run. I don't remember what the sequence was, but they, it was it was it led up to the Bradley stuff behind the behind the line, and it, it was just like, what are you doing? Like they they threw, and then I think this was the last possession. They pretty much threw three jump balls. It's like, what? Yes. You're going to have Josh Jackson, who's like an average thrower at best. You're going to have him th- just loft it up to, like, what are you doing? But at the same time, Temple, like, it's good on you for calling it. But holy crap, did their defense impress probably a lot of people. I would argue a lot. You know, a lot of people, yeah. Most especially people around the, the country. Losses that they sustain, especially in the secondary. Yeah, but this game. So I mentioned Sean Bradley, and it was between him, Sam Franklin, um, the linebacking core. I mean, they are the ones that really. They had a hell of a game. Uh, Harrison Hand. I, I I know we talked about the losses in the secondary, but he was huge in this game. He had the pick early, and then. I mean, you never want to see uh, a defensive back leading the team in tackles, but he had 10 tackles. I mean, he looks to be the next in the line of guys who transferred to Temple and could make it to the league. I mean, he was his name was constantly called when I was in that press box. Every time it was a tackle near a sideline, it was him. And he also had good. And he also uh, was part of that when Maryland tried to go for a fake punt. I mean. I don't even know what Maryland was thinking because as soon as that, as soon as the quarterback got up, Harrison Hand was already in his face. Like, I don't know if he was trying to run, trying to pass, and that was a terribly designed fake field goal. Well, and this is a Maryland team that was that scored sixty three points the week before and seventy nine in week one. So it's not like, okay, granted it was against an FCS team when they scored seventy nine, but they scored. 63 points against Syracuse, and Clemson only scored 31 against them this past week. Yeah. No, they were um, lighting teams up, for lack of a better word. And then Temple Temple seriously shut them down. Which we, you know, you're going to come back down to earth after scoring 79 and 63 points, no matter who you are, but... 
I didn't expect two points. It was it two points at halftime, something like that, or it was two points in the first quarter. Well, let's just put it this way: four. They Maryland had two safeties in the game. One was because of a bad punt, and the other one was because towards the end of the game, Maryland looked, or excuse me, Temple took a safety purposely to run out the clock. Right. So. So yes, you essentially 13, gave up thirteen points. Exactly, thirteen points. The defense gave up. When it really should have been so many more because Maryland missed two field goals. And then, like I said a second ago, the fake field goal that they went for was just absolutely stuffed. So, I mean, and that was, like I said, Temple Temple special teams were god-awful too. I mean, they they start off the game, they kick the freaking kickoff out of bounds. And I was just like, oh, God. Then you get this. There was a kickoff out of bounds. You had the shank punt. Before that, you had the... It was a bad, punt, but you had the punt return to like the three. Yeah, and then it, the bad, bad snap. Yep. That's what led to the first safety. Yeah, the it was. Should have uh, lost this game by thirty. Yeah, but the defense was just Up, unreal. They were ready. That's Unbelievable. And listen, so listening to uh, Sean Bradley talk after the game, man, the fire that that kid was talking with. I mean, you could tell that he was still like in the moment. Because he was still just red hot, and he said he said without a doubt since he's been there, it's the number one uh, game, especially for him. I mean, he was just phenomenal. Dude, he's Kid was fun to watch. on. Yeah, he he's, he's damn good. And before we move on, I want to give a shout out because we didn't know who was going to be the two guys that would take over for the Temple offense. Um, and we kind of just bashed their offense a little bit, but they did have some guys that actually played pretty damn well. They had some explosive plays, too. Yeah. So, so Jaden Blue, the sophomore. He had the long yeah, touchdown, didn't he? Right. Yep. He had the 79-yard touchdown, and he's gone over 100 yards in both or yeah, in both games this year, and he looks like he's going to be a major weapon because he's got some wheels. And then at running back, Ramon Davis has been super impressive. I think a lot of people thought that Jaeger Gardner was going to run away with that job. Actually, he's um, put the ball on the ground quite too many times to start the season. So it's, I think uh, Davis and Blue are definitely two guys to watch moving forward. And then I'm big on Brandon Mack. I know not a lot of other people are. But, yeah, their offense, even though they put up 20 points, I think moving forward, especially once we get to AAC play, I think that they're not going to compete with UCF, but they should be able to compete with everybody else. Well, we didn't think they'd be able to compete with UCF last year, and they only lost by 10. So That's, that's true. The first half, they definitely did compete with them. We will see. But this is a new coaching staff. Who, By the way, I'm definitely a fan of Rod Carey after a couple months. I mean, I am so, too. I mean, he's gone two and zero. None of the other coaches we've had in the past few years have done that. There you go. We will take that. All right, let's get into some over unders, Joe. Dude, big news for both of us. We're both at zero now. Ooh, I got. What did I get right? You got. So you said number of AAC wins last week was eight, and they got eight. Damn, That's, we we didn't talk about that actually. We probably should have, but conference other than ECU did very well this week. Yeah, they looked good compared to last. You know, last week's episode we kind of 
talked about how they didn't do so hot. This week, the conference looked very good. Yeah, a little bounce back. That was nice. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, so you know, you even the right. loss, even the losses weren't embarrassing losses, if you ask exactly. me. Exactly. Yep. Well, except for, yeah, like you said, ECU. So, yeah, so you got that right. And then ECU played. You, I don't, if you watched the, if you watched the UCF game with this pick in mind, you would have been pissed. So, uh, I game, saw. Brandon Wimbush, Brandon Wimbush like got a play. Literally one play. <laughs> I one laughed so hard when I saw that. Play. Like, yes, I got it. <laughs> I was literally laughing. No, I knew that was coming. I did. I was like, God, he comes in, and it was just a carry. It's not even like he attempted a pass. He just no. yep. came in for one carry, and I'm yep. like, well, there goes that. <laughs> uh, At that point, I was hoping. I was like, all right, is uh, Mac going to get in just for one play? Right. Nope. Yeah. Oh, that was Gabriel I stole the show. So yeah, we're both at zero. It's great. All right. I got to up the ante now. Got to make these a little bit harder. I know. I didn't give you any gimmies this week. I'm literally writing down one that I had good to go for, and then I'm like, man, this team don't play this week. I got to wait till next week. All right. So that kind of gives you a heads up on. There's only so many teams that are not playing this week. So right. So it kind of gives you a heads up on which team it'll be about. All right, who's going first, me or you? Uh, you go, and then I can switch my picks if uh, we have the same ones. All right, I'm going to do this one first, just in case, because I know you definitely don't have the other one. So, big game in the conference this week when it's Houston versus Tulane. And like I said privately, I'm still a little bit shocked by what this line is, but... Number of TDs between both teams. Number of TDs between both teams. That's a good one. That is a good one. I don't even remember what the scores were last year. Well, Houston won like 41 to 15 or something last year. I'll give you a score in a second. Hold on. I have it written down on the other side. Hold on. Pull some stuff up. All right, what do we got? So last, oh, last year was forty-eight seventeen Houston. Year before that was twenty to seventeen Tulane, thirty to eighteen, forty-two. So total touchdowns between the two teams. I am going to say two teams we think have decent offenses this year too. I know. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say nine. Nine touchdowns. Nine tutties. That's, that's a, about the number I was expecting. Yeah, it's tough because I don't know. I'm not expecting either defense to be. If any, anybody's defense is gonna be good, it's two lanes. But mm-hmm. I'm going with nine. All right. Mike what do you got next. Wait, am I giving all mine up? All right. Yeah, you do your four, and then I'll do my four. All right. This is one of those I was actually looking forward to. So I got a little nugget after you give me the number. Ooh. Because it's a little interesting stat I saw when I was looking through this. So total number of punts for UCF this week. Cheater, don't be looking up numbers. No, I'm sorry. I'm typing in the spreadsheet. I'm not looking up. Don't worry. I'm not looking up. It's on. It's on. On my honor, man. So one of us has to keep a spreadsheet. So 
I gotta, gotta keep that up to date. Number of punts for UCF, I'm going two because that's the first number that popped up in my head. Two, two punts? This week? Yeah. Against Pitt? Yes. Two max. Two max on the whole game. For just UCF or for UCF and Pitt? No, just UCF. Yeah, two max. All right, my little fun stat. UCF they actually had they punted three times last week against Stanford, wow. four times against Florida A&M, and five times against FAU. So they don't punt that often. They do not. Two. It's two. going to be more than two, but I'm going two. Screw it. All right, what do you got next? All right, you picked off to a Sha- great start. Yeah, you are. You picked Shane Bouchelle in Joe Talk Fantasy Challenge. So, how many passing yards does he have against TCU this week? Oh, man. I was literally thinking that when I was picking him. Like, how many yards can he actually get? Uh, uh, so, the number I originally thought was 260, which seems super high when you think about TCU in their secondary. Mm-hmm. But... Hmm... Because there was, well, what was the last time that SMU had an explosive offense was two years ago with, uh, with Hicks and Sutton and Quinn, and they actually gave TCU a run for their money. Like it was close until TCU pulled away for like a fifty-two thirty-two win or something like that. And I think that SMU can actually hang and actually maybe even win this game. Ooh. So. I'm going to stick with 260. 260. I think that he needs to throw a lot more than that if they're going to beat TCU. Yeah, he probably needs a 400 if we're being completely honest. Oh, you already said 260. I'm keeping at 260. Don't you worry. Mark, mark it down. All right. And the last one, just because it's you and just because... I know your heart's broken about ECU. <laughs> oh, man, just salt in the wound. They've looked terrible against uh, NC State and Navy, so maybe, you know, they can... But they looked all right against the FCS team, so they get another one this week. So total number of yards that ECU outgains William & Mary by. Number of yards... I'm going to go... This is hard. This is Here's the thing. I know nothing about William & Mary football, so I have no idea if they're good. Not going to look it up because I don't care. And I don't even know if ECU's defense can even like stop anybody. So let's go 220 as the difference. There it is. Mark it down. 220. I can't wait until they get out out gained. By 220. Hilarious. By 220. By 220. Oh, jeez. Speaking of that, though, they might be my upset pick in P6 Pick'em, which, oh, what do you know? No one's put their picks in. It's like I'm babysitting you guys. 
It's Tuesday. Dude, it's pub- I'm publishing it tomorrow, man. First game's on Thursday. Oh, sh- sugar. All right, I'll get it done. All right. Okay, so you're up. I want you to give me... Well, here. UCF put up 45 points, I think, last year against Pitt. So, make it easy. How many points did they score this year against Pitt? It's on the road. They scored 45 against Pitt. They scored 45 against Stanford last week. Let's stay in the 40s and say... 62. That's not in the 40s. And say... (laughs) 45. Wow. Going out on a limb. I like it. I honestly think they might put that up. I think a lot of people think this might be close just because that pick kept it close with um, Penn State this past week. Oh, yeah. And and I can't wait to see UCF just blow the doors off Pitt and have even... Yeah, it, well, I, honestly, so do I. But if they score 45, that's just one more thing that we could talk about in a couple weeks when it's playoff time and say, hey, if and Penn State can't. 23rd. Yeah, yeah, Penn State is uh, only scored what? I think it was I think that game ended up 17 to 10. 17 to 10. Yeah, and if UCF puts up a 40 spot, um, what's the difference? They'll, they'll find something to use it against UCF, but it'll be a, a quality win for uh, Penn State. All right. But, but go on before I go down a rabbit hole there. All right. So, I was What number did I say? I don't even remember. 45. 45. That's it. All right. All right. So, I was talking about the SMU-TCU game, kind of a foreshadowing to this one. So, that game was uh, two years ago was high scoring, and I feel like this could have the same potential to be that again but don't let that influence your pick so i need you to give me the total points for the smu tcu game i can get you the over under if you need it i will take that knowledge if i can make it can i make a guess on that over no because then yeah, i guess i'm guess no then, then i'm guessing what number i want so <laughs> tell me what the over under is the over under for SMU TCU is currently at fifty-five point five. Whoa. Okay. I was suspecting a little bit more, actually. I'm gonna see, and you're asking me total number of points, right? Yep, for both. For both. I'm gonna go because I think that's gonna go fifty-five. That seems awfully low. I'm going to say, because the first number that came into my head, honestly, was 63. Dude, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Yeah. That's the number that came to my head, 63. I was expecting a number in the 60s. I hope so. I hope you're right. That would be fun. All right. Moving on. You mentioned the big game before, Houston-Tulane. And a guy who needs a bounce back, well, at least passing, is D.R. King, but I want you to give me the total number of yards for D.R. King against that two-lane defense. Passing or combined? Total yards. So Total yards. Passing, Unless... rushing, receiving. Kick return, punt return, you whatever. You name it. His numbers last week, I mean, he's better than his numbers last week. But... He's running the ball well, but that's, that's everything is just very, very sloppy passing. 
God, I could see myself saying a number and then it going way over. So let's do 380. 380. Oh, dude, I like that. That is an aggressive pick, but I like it. I say he goes over 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. And that chicken, whatever, the little bit of change isn't in the Dude, 80s area. I think Houston wins the game if they, he gets 380. But we'll talk about that. All right. So, since you picked him, I believe, yeah, you did. You went with your boy, Mr. Russo. So he's playing against Buffalo. And since you picked him, this may influence your your pick here, but I'm glad I picked it. I want to give I want you to give me the number of passing yards that he will have against the Buffalo Bulls, not the Buffalo we, Bills, the Buffalo Bulls. We really do read each other's minds because somehow I had Shane Bouchelle lined up for you. Yeah, <laughs> and you have and you have Russo enough, lined up you for start me. Start thinking like the other person. Oh my God, that's crazy. Um, total number of yards you said. Uh, passing yards. Just okay. passing yards. All right. I'm going to throw away last week's game because that was terrible. Buffalo. Buffalo shocked us last year, but this is nowhere near the same Buffalo team. No, definitely not. I'm going to say, because I do think they're going to throw a lot on them. 295. 295. I like it. I originally had 310 in my mind, but I want to say under three, so 295. Sweet. He's going to throw for like 400. He might. Sweet, man. All right. And that's another edition of over-unders where I'm winning that. Oh, no. We're both at zeros. We're both at zero, so we're tied. You're winning. the fantasy challenge and you're actually if you get waiting. the two if you get the two punts thing I'm gonna freaking lose my mind yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that would actually really really uh, shock dude you're doing good in our fantasy stuff you got so you're winning Joe Talk fantasy challenge and you're winning P6 pickup I don't know if you knew that or not yeah I did know that because all I do is pick winners Joe that's true not- and dude you're winning against underdogs against the spread but, All dude, I do is pick winners. And you you pick a winner for a podcast partner. That's debatable. Oh, that's harsh. Got to bust your balls every now and then. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's dive into this week. Week four first. already. That's weird. Week, I know, right? I feel like, uh, well, first off, I feel like I just was on vacation four days ago. but know, it's right? It's literally already been almost four weeks. Um, we kind of talked about it. That Thursday night game, which I totally forgot was a Thursday night game until you just said it. So I will get – I'll do my part to make sure that I continue to win P6 pick them. I know. I'm going to start forfeiting your picks. I'm not going to – I'm not – you know what I'm going to do? I'm not even going to tell you guys that it's ready, and then you're just going to forfeit your picks. No, don't do that. Cheaters. No, I won't do that. I know you won't. But all right, like I said, Thursday night game. It is Houston at one and two taking on Tulane, who is two and one. And 
And Tulane is a five-point favorite at home. You can see this game on ESPN Thursday night on at 8 p.m. And I know the one thing that we wanted to kind of harp on was the fact that Tulane won the last meeting. That was in New Orleans. And while a score was only 20 to 17, that score is a lot closer than the uh, actual outcome of the game because Tulane just... I mean, in this game, this was more of like when we were just still trying to figure out you know, what was really Fritz really trying to do at Tulane. They basically played keep away from Houston in that game, and it worked. This yeah, year, we're talking about this year. Yeah, they do not have to because Tulane actually has an offense that's formidable themselves. Well, and right now, I, I wouldn't play too much with the fire in terms of like hoping that Houston will continue its struggles in the unknown, but. Yeah, like you said, they have they have an offense that can put up some points and they have a defense that is, you know, appears to be ready for any challenge and if Houston's continuing on the trend of not really looking explosive consistently, then I don't think they have much to worry about, but if this is a Houston team that finally figures things out, this this has the makings for a back and forth game. I didn't write down the over-under. Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I do. Let me pull it up here and go to the tab. I forgot to write down over-unders for every game, actually. But this uh, is the only one I think truly matters. I think this will surprise you. It is currently at 56. It's only That's... a half a point more than SMU-TCU. Only at 56? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Okay. Well, I'm telling you a game you're going to see on... Hundred dollars against the spread. Dude, I'm just the, trying to help you out. The over, the over in this game is basically the biggest lock I've heard all season long. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, I'd take the over too. I can't. I can see both teams hitting over thirty with ease. Um, I don't know. It's, it it might be weird to say this, but outside UCF, when it's all said and done. Tulane and Houston might be and well can let's just put this here we expect more out of Houston to start this year at least points wise can you agree oh for sure I mean I think we're a little bit uh, what's the word I'm looking for unimpressed with their offense to start the season yeah. and that's with I mean King is still I mean he's still putting up numbers but at the same time like we thought the numbers would be way more gaudy than they have been it's just uh, stagnance um, in both games against the big teams, I guess you can really say, though at times where you really can't afford to do so when you're playing against two teams that are – because I really like Washington State. I think they were underranked heading into the year compared to some of these other teams. Like Michigan State finally got exposed this week. Yep against a team that I don't even think is that good and is now ranked for some reason, but that's a topic for a whole other day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. I, it's it's frustrating to watch so far, but I think they'll get things, things figured out and they'll be a fun team towards the end of the year. Yeah, but like I said earlier, minus five in favor of Tulane. That's that's a little bit shocking to me. I expected yeah, that. Yeah. If I, I can't argue against that can't argue against that i thought it would be three if not one just considering what we've seen from houston in recent years and what we've seen tulane in recent years i know 
I know Vegas doesn't necessarily go by that, but then they also favor Power 5 teams almost all the time over against G5s. And that's where I am cleaning up this year. There you go. All right. Temple is a 14-point favorite against... Oh, wait. I'm going out of order here. My fault. Like, Let me wait, go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot my ESPN thing puts Temple above everybody else, and I put it in that order by mistake. There's a 12 o'clock game. UConn takes on Indiana. Next. Indiana is a 27-point favorite. That game is a 12 o'clock Big Ten Network. Do you, okay, my only question to you is, can UConn maybe cover 27 yeah, I points? I was just going to say, I, I, it's because they've, they've actually played – They've played everybody, let's say, I don't want to say tough, but they haven't embarrassed themselves yet. Right. That's all, I this, was gonna, this was going to be what I told you, is, or what I was going to say, is that I think that it, they're not going to win, but I no. think that they might actually cover. See, I know nothing about Indiana, so I'll have to do my research, but 27 points, four touchdowns basically over even as bad as UConn's been. Right. I, I, I might have to... T- do some research on Let's Indiana see to game. see, because again, another one you could maybe see by the end of the week. I have to do my research on Indiana though, because I know nothing about that. All right, now I'll go back to that three thirty game with Temple taking on Buffalo. Temple's a fourteen point favorite. If you want to watch it, you know I will be three thirty on ESPNU. Um, a lot has changed since the last time these two teams played last year. 36-29, Buffalo win in Philadelphia. And then the funny part was uh, you know, Temple went, was 0-2 at that point. And then the following week, they went into Maryland, who Maryland was 2-0 at that point, but not nearly the powerhouse offensive they were this year. And then Temple won that game. But again, Buffalo doesn't have Tyree Jackson throwing to Anthony Johnson this year. Or KJ I mean, Osborne. Or, or, or KJ Osborne, you're right about that. Actually, fun fact, Tyree Jackson went from the Buffalo Bulls to the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he stayed close to home. I think he's on the practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% correct about that. I'm not following oh, the Bills. Right. I'm not following the Bills other than want to know what Ed Oliver's doing. But Temple, 14-point favorite. Um, not going to lie. Seems a little high for me, even though I just said I think that uh, Russo is going to throw a bunch of points. But I need I need to see more from uh, Temple's offense because it wasn't the prettiest last week, even though I know defense will do their part to shut down Buffalo. Well, and the, I think the big question is how do they how do they respond to a big win? Like, do they get like is it was it too emotional and it, it you know carries over into this week and they struggle or are they? They move on. They they handled their business against Maryland, and they're now they're turning their attention to Buffalo, and they they take care of business this week, and we don't have to worry about an upset. That is a mentality we're all hoping for in North Philadelphia. That's go. for sure. Just run right through them. Make this a twenty-one nothing game quickly. Speaking of a team that's going to want to do twenty-one nothing quickly, that's UCF. 3-0, and taking on Pitt, who's 1-2. and The Knights are a 12.5-point favorite. That game is a 3.30 on ABC, so it's on national television. And if you're Pitt, just to mention them a little bit, they're taking on back-to-back top 15 programs. I mean, UCF is 15 this week. Penn State, I think, was actually ranked 15th last week. They bumped up a little bit. 
And like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people gave uh, Pitt some credit for holding their own a little bit against Penn State last week, but ultimately fell. I think this is a game where UCF continues to basically step on throats like we saw against Stanford. And this one, I think, matters even more just because it's a road game. So it, it's, a, it's an opportunity to, um, like I said earlier, score 45 more points. Yeah, it's another uh, another statement game. It's another way to say, hey, we can do it all. We can play on the road against these Power 5 teams. Granted, Pitt's not, uh, it's kind of like the Stanford thing. Pitt, Pitt's not that great, but it's a Power 5 team, and the easiest way to prove that you're a power team is by beating these kind of teams. And you can only play who's on your schedule, so... You got to keep winning and doing your part. And if you can provide another blowout, then go ahead and do it. And that, that'll that get people's attention. So you mentioned the score last year 45 to 17. And honestly, literally could see the exact same score again this year. Oh, agreed. Like, I would not be shocked to see that exact same score. Because, I mean, Pitt has only averaged four, 14 and a half points or maybe a little bit more than that to start the season. So it's not like they are looking like the super aggressive offensive team. While, I mean, UCF is, they've clearly, they've embraced that they just want to just pound everybody now too, just to make the statement that they are a power team as well. And I love every second of it. Dude, it's almost like they don't care about the rankings anymore. They just assume they're going to get disrespected, and that, like, fuels their fire. And I like that. So much fun. I just, just hopefully, eventually, once conference play comes and some of those teams ahead of them do start knocking each other off, they get the respect they actually deserve. One can only hope. We'll see. As long as UCF keeps beating up on everybody, there's no arguments against them in my eyes. There you go. All right, SMU. We talked about a big game against TCU. TCU is a nine-point favorite. This game was also at 3.30, and you can watch it on FS1. This is the 99th meeting between the two schools, which I thought was a little bit interesting. But they don't have a 100th scheduled yet, mm. which was, uh, I thought, maybe. I don't know what they're freaking waiting for at this point. But TCU has won seven straight, and almost none of them have been close. Last year's game was a 42-12 to beatdown in Dallas. But this is a completely different SMU team this year. So, Joey, you said a little bit earlier, you're calling an upset? Sure, why not? Dude, I, I I don't trust TCU's offense, and SMU's offense is fun to watch, and they have a ton of playmakers. And granted, TCU's defense is really good, but I think that SMU can win that matchup, and I think nine points is a little ridiculous. Like, granted, TCU's at home, but I think that if they can jump on them early, they can hang around for a while. And then if they're close in that fourth quarter, just watch and watch the fun, and hopefully it goes in SMU's favor. So yeah, I'm calling it. I'm I'm helping your team out. Uh, I'm 
to say to say that the upset is coming i don't even know if i'm ready to say that yet even though i you know i am on smu's bandwagon this year again a case I where I, I don't i don't sure. know a whole lot about tcu so i'm not I don't really follow the Power Five since we started doing this writing here. I pay attention to most of the uh, the G5 teams, specifically for um, underdogs against the spread. There you go. Does SMU have the weapons to do it? Certainly. I'm still not sold on the defense yet. Yeah, but you should be even less sold on TCU's offense. I mean, Jalen Rieger is great. He's one of the best receivers in the country, but... I haven't seen anything besides him that makes me super worried. Granted, yes, you, like you said, SMU's defense is I don't know, but TCU's offense is also I don't know. So I think that is that's a good matchup for SMU. We shall see. If SMU starts season four and out, they're going. They're definitely going bowling. Then we're gonna need to talk about that. Maybe, maybe flirting with the West. That's what I mean. Maybe winning the West. All right, let's wrap up through these last two games. This one did shock me a lot when I saw the numbers. Wyoming, who is three and zero, will be traveling to Tulsa, one and two. And Tulsa is a three and a half point favorite. What? Yeah, I was stunned when I saw this. Didn't Wyoming beat Missouri? Yes. What? Wyoming is actually considered one of the better G5 teams this year. But for some reason, Tulsa is the favorite in this game. I literally have four question marks after this line because I had to check it. It is Games at, game sure. is at 3.30. You can see it on CBS Sports Network. Um, interesting note, t- the conference has three games going on at 3.30. You can find all of them on most of your sports channels on TV. CBS Sport Network, ABC, FS1, and what's the other one? ESPNU. None of them are on your, your streaming devices for the most oh, part. Let's just put it. Uh, I think that actually is pretty pretty solid for the conference. Well, this is a big game for Tulsa. you got to prove that you are better than your record indicates, and I think they, they did that for two halves and against their power five teams they looked atrocious in the first half against Michigan state. But then once they settled down, they actually looked pretty good against Michigan state in the second half. And, and then, then the other way around against, yeah, they were beating Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, state at yep. halftime. Yep. And then so, Chubba, Chubba got me one of the covers in my underdogs. I got the spread that I didn't was not, I didn't deserve that one when he took that last one to the house on fourth and one. That's yeah. how, that's how that's how that game covered. So, yep. no, I was fired up at that point. Yeah. So who knows, man? You don't know. No. But just just crazy to see that Tulsa was favored in this game, and like you said, just the way Wyoming's three and zero with a win over Missouri, just shocking. Right. A little bit shocking. My ass. Yep. And then the last game of the week in the conference, and that's the ECU hosting William and Mary. William and Mary's two and one have no idea who they played yet. Didn't look it up. Sorry. No disrespect, William and Mary. Who cares? Do know that ECNU is one and two, but they are 11 and a half point favorite 
If you want to watch, it's on ESPN 3 at 6 p.m. Yeah, they are the only game of the week that is not on a national network of some sort. Well, start winning games and people will care. Yeah, well, it is also an FCS team, so true. that's what's going to happen. Yep. So, East, oh, I guess my question before we wrap this up is, is ECU going to cover that 11.5-point spread? <gasps> yes. No. Okay. I don't it's know. Like a, I don't know anything. I don't, I don't know anything about William and Mary either. Doesn't matter. Right. The only thing we're not even going to be talking about this game next week unless they lose. Unless they lose, then we just well, it'll be an ECU hate show. For you, I'll just be like, "Ha ha! I told you so." Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, another one in the books, Joe. Fun oh, and easy. Bites the dust. That's what it is. All right, Joe introduced us before. Let me close this out. We are Joe Talk, and I am Joe Serpico. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Joe Serp. If you want to follow Joe Broback, you can at Joe Broback. We make this nice and easy for you guys there. Yeah, no underscores like Eric and Joe on the other Conference USA podcast. Right. That That's... garbage. <laughs> Figure something out there. <laughs> Buy your name out. Do whatever you have to do. Make it work for yourselves. Make it easier. And, and we're Joes. Like, we got average names out there. Yep. Maybe that's part of Joes. Other Joes problem, too, but hey. All right, if you're not following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook, Twitter, make sure you do so. Please leave us reviews about this podcast. Again, we do the American, and we just mentioned Eric and Joe. They are doing... Conference USA, and they're crushing it over there, even though Conference USA is nowhere near the level of the American. Yeah, they're having a tough year, but yeah, Eric and Joe are crushing it. They're good dudes. If you like us, like Joe said, give us a review. If you hate us, like some people do, let give us, us a review. Yeah, give us a review. Let us know. Whatever. We don't care. We just like talking football, so we don't bite. Come on in. The water's fine. And don't call us trash. Please don't. Because then we'll tell you how your team is trash. Mm-hmm. All right, on that note, thanks again for listening for the Underdog Podcast and another round of what we call Joe Talk. <laughs>